Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. In my last episode of My Day of Fringe, this is the last roundtable for the final season. Besides Lance Reddick, we'll hear from the entire cast. This series pushed the envelope in its depiction of an alternate timeline that was fun and entertaining to watch to see the differences in the characters in both worlds. Here is my look back at Fringe's final season. And let's start off with Lance Reddick, who is Agent Broyles, and he was asked how his character has evolved over the seasons. Well, first of all, for me, I'm talking about kind of two different characters because I'm talking about two Broyles. Um, the, uh, I guess what we call the mainstream Broyles, <clears throat> uh, I feel that he's, he's uh, more than anything else, uh, the Fringe team has become a family for him particularly given how kind of estranged he is from his family. And also, he's mellowed. Uh, he was so caustic the first season. I mean, in my opinion, he's mellowed a little more than I wanted him to. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he's mellowed. Um, not, not when it, you know, in terms of do, getting the job done, but uh, not so much, you know, because he's still that kind of hard-ass military guy. He treats, his, he treats his people like family. More on the end of Fringe from San Diego Comic-Con in a moment. Walter Bishop himself, John Noble, told us how he is approaching working on this season. I was just saying over there, I just, I'm approaching this season with a lot of trepidation because I think what I don't want to do is, is sort of just continue on some random version of Walter that it needs to be very clearly directed towards the end goal, towards the end game. And so I, I'm, at this pre- I'm actually preoccupied now thinking about how do we take the first steps because we already kind of set up in Letters of Transit that he got some brain matter back, but he also turned into a kind of a mean man then. And I don't want to play him as a mean man for the rest of the time. That wouldn't work. So and seriously, I'm, I'm, thinking ser- I'm thinking seriously about how to finesse this character. Um, it's, it's an interesting challenge, and, and, and there's nowhere to go. I mean, we, we're not in a position now where we can take sidesteps and get away with it two seasons later. It's really going to be challenging, but it's so totally worth it because nobody gets the honour we've got, which is to finish off a story. Like, it doesn't happen in literature, uh, in television literature. So it's a bit scary, really. The portal to the other universe might finally be closed, and Jessica Nicole is glad Astrid's scene survived. And I was really glad that they that they kept that in there because you know it, you do these things as an actor and you're like, oh gosh, this is this is going to be great, and it doesn't make it into it. And you're like, I guess it wasn't that great. So when it does make it into the final product, it's so nice. You feel like you you know been able to create something because so much of what you do gets edited down for television, which is understandable. But it's really nice when these tiny little things get get left in there. And like I was saying in the panel, you know, in Fringe World, anything is possible. So they. Can could certainly, you know, skip over there and check up on everybody at some point, but I don't think that there's going to be any uh, huge plot moves that involve the alternate universe anymore. I know, which is so sad. <laughs> it's kind of like we ended one show within the show, you know, I think it prepared us for our final season because we we didn't know really that it was the end of it until Seth found out that he wasn't going to be coming back this year. So we're shooting the final scene and that wave goodbye really was like, this, this is the last time I'm going to be wearing these fatigues and these boots and, you know, seeing these people and acting, you know, this way was pretty, pretty emotional. Being that this is their last appearance at Comic-Con, 
Joshua Jackson looks back on his fringe Comic-Con experiences. Honestly, those panels, the everything since the second Comic-Con we were at have been uh, a kind of highlights of my year. When I, I, and I know this will be the case, when I look back on the, the totality of the Fringe experience, those panels are going to be some of my fondest memories because it's just such a rare thing to have, to be able to have that interplay and that reaction with the people who are enjoying the work that you're doing while you're doing it is it just... It's a rare and beautiful thing. So, but you know, the standing ovation was awesome. I will never turn down a standing ovation. But uh, to just be in a room where there's that much passion and there's and joy, frankly, I mean, there was a lot of tears today. But everybody in there's having a good time and they're enjoying themselves. And the people who bother to sleep out overnight to get into a panel, they give a shit. and it's not easy to get people to give a shit. and and we spend our entire lives and careers trying to convince many fewer people than that to care about what we're doing and so to have that response is just awesome. I have, I've had more sympathy now for Folivia in the other universe because of what you did with her. Like really fleshing out her character a little bit, giving her a softer side and it was like, you know, it's not just an evil version. You know? No. Yeah, that's what I like. Thank you. I never thought she was the evil version. <laughs> I always just loved her. Yeah, I think that the audience kind of, I think they kind of liked her but didn't want to like her. But then when she was like sweet to Walter and when Walter fell for her I think that's when everyone felt oh we've got permission. <laughs> Jessica Nicole looks at what's ahead for Astrid in the world of 2036. I have low expectations just because we are in this uh, you know new world of 2036 and there's so much that's at stake and none of her or as far as I know none of her people that are in her life are going to you know still be around in 2036 so I doubt you know in the next 13 episodes that they're going to have a chance to to delve into her personal life anymore but I do hope that because they are in this new environment that she will at least be out doing more stuff because um, like I think we're going to go back to the lab but it's going to be a weird lab because it's you know been ambered for such a long time so everything is going to be totally off kilter there so it might have her being able to go I'm hoping she has to go undercover, you know, out there or something and wear hats and stuff so that the observers don't recognize her because they know who everybody is, which you'll find out in episode one, spoiler alert, the observers know who they are. <laughs> what about if the portal will be used at all in the upcoming season? Here's John Noble. I think the portal is closed. Um, I think there'll be, there's always an awareness in our history and our culture that the other universe is there. And for viewers, that, that we, we, we may reference them, for those viewers that watch everything. As far as I know, we're not going back there. Yeah, well, Walter's had about 13 different versions, but, but he's, this will be, I, I guess it'll be a, a culmination, but he's got to become much clearer, and he's got to overcome his demons. He literally has to stop going off in tangents. He's got to stop feeling sorry for himself and going into depression, and he's got, he's got to be at his very best. So we'll see the best of Walter this year, I hope. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. Lance Reddick shares when he first noticed what he called those fringe moments when shooting. Any, any, any moment that playing fringe when I thought, that's fringe, uh, believe it or not, it's in the pilot. Yeah, when I'm uh, showing the pictures to Olivia, uh, ironically, that scene got changed completely the day before, and I was scrambling, trying to learn my lines. Um, but when I'm... Um, 
sitting in the hallway um, showing the pictures pictures to Olivia of like for example the cows with, um, I mean I can't even remember all the bizarre all the bizarre pictures but basically I was I was that was my intro to her about um, fringe division and what that is and I want her on my team and you know, one of the things that happens when you play a character is you kind of see her one way when the series starts and the character evolves uh, during the course of the season. Anna Torv addresses the fact if Olivia can have a happy ending in this particular series. That's what I'm going to think about and, and work on because at the moment, no, I don't. <laughs> to tell you the truth, that's a really interesting question because I've said that a lot to the guys too. I've said, you know, some people just aren't meant to be happy and some people just aren't meant to be with people. Sometimes there are just loners in the world. And I have a feeling that Olivia is just that. And as much as she would love to be, you know, like, and I've been saying that too, like, I'm an advocate for Peter and Olivia. I've always been like, you know, like, on that, I think that, you know, that it's been set up that way they're meant to be together that's so I'm not saying that but Olivia just so far she's just is a damn loner and I wonder if she needs to just go to that extreme in order to then kind of come back and I don't know so but that's I think that's this season for her John Noble looks back on his favorite versions of Walter Bishop I kind of have a lot of favorites really the, the, the first Walter was the first random Walter with all of his he had no social graces he actually didn't know what was going on he didn't even know how to love his son but he was such a real a real human being um, I, I, and, and he's been it's from him that I bounce everything else off but he could also get away with murder I mean he then I did you know whatever I wanted to say or do really worked uh, so he he's the water that will be remembered and Lance Reddick talks about working in the sci-fi genre I don't gravitate toward the genre per se it's more about uh, the material so if, I, if it's really great writing and a great character, then I want to do it. Well, I'm kind of spoiled in general because all I've done, is, I mean, not all, but mo I mean, all the long stuff that I've done has been, I mean, I, I, I pretty much went, I mean, I did David Simon's first miniseries, The Corner. I went from The Corner to Oz to The Wire to Lost to Fringe. And I went from uh, The Wire to Lost to Fringe back to back. My experience in Fringe has been the most jarring because it's my first network series. I mean, Lost was different for two reasons. Lost, um, it, was, it was a recurring role that I think was eventually going to become a series regular, but then I get cast in Fringe three months later. But also, they were, well, they were such a well-oiled machine by that point, and um, they were such a huge hit. Damon Lindelof uh, could basically say no whenever he felt like he wasn't going to work for the show to the to to the network. So it was almost that show was almost like being on a cable show. Jessica Nicole talks about what this season will hold, but she also has her own ideas. Um, I anticipate that what they're trying to do is get themselves 
back to where they were before so that they can stop the observers or stop them in the future so that they never come to where they were. So my idea in my head is that they kind of come full circle. They do all the stuff in the future and then, you know, end up back where they were in the beginning, um, which would be lovely. And just the thought of Astrid never being able to say goodbye to her dad, and you obviously know that she, he's a very important part of her life, even though you've only seen him in one episode. So this idea that she gets ambered accidentally and never has a chance to to say goodbye to her dad is just horrifying to me. So I'm hoping that they'll they'll get a chance to go back to where they were and she can, you know, see her dad off in his old age. Anna Torv had a chance to reflect on the early days of Olivia Dunham. But also what happens too is like, you know, like day one, you're establishing a character and you don't know where it's going to be. And like, I remember even reading the first episode after we'd shot the pilot when we finally got picked up and going, oh my God, this is almost a different character to what we'd established in the pilot. And so I think that that's, that's, been, the, that's been the big learning curve for me, as a, for me as a person is like, is learning just how fluid television is, you know, and that things change and things move and, you know, and sometimes you can just let it go in the way that we can, you know, we're about to start season five, you know, in 2036, like it's always just a massive reboot. But yeah, she's completely, I approach her completely differently. <laughs> Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. Hi, Lance. Uh, Tony Tolado. We talked a little while ago, a few weeks ago. How are you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, I want to talk to you about, you mentioned it during our interview at the time, and so we can get it for everybody here, uh, Broyles' new role with the observers in the future. I want to talk about the politics that he has to play. Wow, it's tough. Um, because Broyles, it's really like um, Vichy France uh, during World War II. So it's really like... Um, he can't afford to really think of himself that way, even though I'm sure Burroughs is such a, I don't want to say realist, uh, but Burroughs uh, is, I feel that one of, one of Burroughs' most salient characteristics as a personality is, 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 is um, his abil- the ability he has to be honest with himself. So he knows what he's, I don't want to say sacrificing, but what he's compromising. But at the same time, I feel like he thinks that it's the best that he can do and still try to do his job and take care of humanity. But he's really collaborating with the enemy. John Noble likes this one aspect of the new season. But here's the thing. (laughs) The great thing about this is for the first time we've got a common enemy. We... And that's when people come to their, their best and, and bond at their best and forget their uh, their petty differences. And so what we have to do is we have to bond together. And that's that'll make the team more cohesive and more directed than ever before. And we'll be like insurgents, you know, we, we will be the underground fighting it. We've never had that before. And it's a great story, isn't it? It's sort of like, how does the world cope with a common em- enemy? And I've hoped for years that we would go there. So I'm thrilled that, that, that that's where we are now. And we, we, need to, we need to win our world back from those that have taken it over. And that's the whole theme of the last, of the last season. Jessica Nicole tells us where we will begin the story at the season opener. 
you know, in episode 19, you see them in the future, and they've been ambered, and they get out of the amber, and the observers are running the world, so our uh, episode uh, one in season five takes up right where that left off. And so, I think from what I've heard, you're only going to be able to um, know what happened to get them to that place in like, lost footage, and videotapes, and like, grainy, I don't know, cell phone images or something, so there's no distinct uh, you know, episode that's going to say this is how they got there. So, I'm thinking that Maybe at some point, you know, we'll get back to the time where the observer comes into Walter and he says they're coming to that point, except the observer never comes there. And and Peter and Olivia will be pregnant and they will live happily ever after. That's how I would write the show. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. Have you had a chance to reflect on her journey? Uh, have you taken a step back and looked at it? No, I haven't yet, and I probably won't do that until we finish. I think that that's what I'll do when we're done. And they go, oh, I should have done that. But you're still in it. Like, you're still in it. I'm just starting to now, but it's sort of the journey that you want to focus on. You know, the end is just the little reward, but it's the journey that you want to make count. Also, you make choices, too, that are kind of like, um, you know, you make broader strokes and, and you kind of, I, you end up a little bit more kind of neutral because you don't know how long you're going to be in this way, you know, whereas now we're like, this is where it's going to be and this is where it's going to go. You can kind of just like, you know, sprint to the finish line. I also have to mention if you can also talk about drone, which I know is a part. Oh, yeah. Uh, drone, that's going to be cool. Uh, drone is a web series that I'm starting that um, I'm also uh, co-producing with my with my um, my partner and manager, Stephen, um, Stephen Adams, and with Bobby Glickwood, who's the writer-director, and Clark Baker. Uh, who's the other executive producer. And um, uh, the executive executive producer is Justin Lin. It's, it's actually going to be on uh, Yam Yam, uh, Justin Lin's YouTube channel. Bobby Glicker used to be one of Justin's um, executives at his um, production company. It's, about, it's set in the future, the near future, and it's about um, these combat drones, these robot drones uh, that have been designed and are sold basically by this um, mercenary kind of like Blackwater, <laughs> this uh, mercenary group, and they sell these things to the to U.S. Army, and um, one goes rogue. And my character is the guy who's, who's the head of the organization. Will Walter remember Peter's existence before Peter was erased? Here's John Noble on what he would like to see. What, what, what we need to do is, is to choose to recall certain events that we need to move forward. And uh, so what we will have to do as a team is find a way to research events from the past. And I don't want to spoil that to how we'll do it, but we, we have a way of doing it where we go back and we discover ways that things that happened, ways that we dealt with them, um, technology that was around, and, and we, we gather this stuff in through all sorts of means, through research, and we, you know, it's almost like today we would Google it, but we can't, so we're going to get that all back. That makes a, a, a that that research is a major part of, it, of the scene, and getting the missing links that we don't have to resolve the issue. So, so that's obviously going to go back. It's a great way to complete a story that people have been following, um, and and people will recognise. Oh my God, yes, and that worked there, and now they're going to use that piece of technology or something here in another way. 
It'll be really cool. So would you say the bulk of this season is going to take place in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know how many episodes, but I think the majority of it, maybe until the very end when, you know, everything is all hunky-dory again, I think it's going to all take place in the future. Hannah Torv talks about the writers and leaving the story to them to follow the course of the fifth season. I mean, I think they've sort of, I think, no, I mean, they kind of do their thing. <laughs> like, of course, we have conversations, but, you know, I have a huge amount of faith that, you know, they've been doing this for a long time and they've done us well, you know. So that's sort of, that's their department. They do a better job at that than I do. But, I mean, obviously we chat and because, um, like, that's something that I'll answer after, you know, like it's all done because I don't want to say because I don't want to allude to what's happening. I don't want to feel like I'm disappointed with or, or really I don't know I feel like I feel like what's I feel like this is what's going to be will be will be and that I can't really think about anything and that's the first time too that we kind of know what we're doing for this season so therefore I don't want to be imagining things that I want I want to make I want to be totally committed to what we are doing. Lance Reddick now talks about what he would like to see for his character of Agent Broyles. I would like to see is what I would like we'll see if it happens I would like to see my character uh have a a really heroic role um not necessarily but possibly you know a heroic death the old guy going you know and John Noble does the same what he would like to see for Walter in the last season no I want I'll tell you what I want and what Joshua wants is we want to re-establish the father-son relationship that was absolutely critical to the success of season one, two. And, and it's still the thing that's talked about by fans. So both Joshua Jackson and I are pulling so hard to make that happen. Uh, I, know that the, I know that that will work emotionally for the fans as well. But also from our point of view as, as actors, we actually loved, we worked so hard on that relationship. We would sit for hours working out the details and how to play that realistically. So hopefully that will be something we'll get, get a handle on this. Jessica Nicole recalls how season four ended with two possible outcomes. We didn't know until after we filmed everything in season four if we were coming back for a season five. And we usually know in like late February. So we're uh, obviously, you know, the writers had to do something. So that last scene where the observer comes to Walter and says they're coming, that was just not going to be in the show if we were done. And then seriously, Peter and Larry happy happily ever after. Astrid's okay, she's not dead. Good old buddies. And then, you know, go back to regular life. And then they stuck that in, of course, because we got picked up. So um, that was that was a nice little button for that and it's going to be you know reopened basically in, in season five because they're looking for Olivia they don't know who she is and then some stuff happens to Walter and then he's a little bit jabberwocky and it's kind of like trying to get the, the brain that they have Walter's brain back on track to help them move forward. How do you handle all the fan reactions to the show? It's like the most passionate fans on television. Oh they're fantastic yeah well you're just grateful <laughs> because they're they keep you on the air and they keep you in a job, you know. So that's how you handle it. You say thank you. <laughs> Lance Reddick answers if he learned anything from playing Agent Broyles. Yeah, I'm not sure that that applies to me. I mean, I think that I learned something either about myself or about uh, my process as an actor that helps me later uh, in each role. Um, not always, but hopefully. And um, 
that's part, that's part of the job. You're always trying to be better. With broils, it's um, more than anything else because uh, so often his role has been functional is to is uh, to be able to. This sounds like a weird thing to say to be able to turn on a sense of presence like that. Because um, so often it's not what he's saying that that's matters. But, um, it's his uh, ability to, to command. Jessica Nicole says that this being the final season actually allows them some freedom. Oh, I think I think it's just as big a relief for the the fans as it is for the cast and the production crew because this will be the first season that we've uh, known we have the 13 episodes. Nobody's having to fight to keep us on. Nobody's having to do the Twitter campaigns. Nobody, you know, I'm I'm sure that people will still be involved with it, but it's not about numbers anymore. It's just about the storytelling. We are guaranteed our 13 episodes, and that puts us in such a, a lovely, freeing position to you know make sure we tell it right and tell it the way that we want it so that's it's a pretty awesome opportunity lance reddick looks back at his comic-con experience well the thing that's interesting for me is that i'm used to thinking myself as always from the time i started acting i just i wanted to be a great character actor because i thought that was where the fun was that was where that, that was where really acting was and so you know because of the trajectory of my career it's i I never thought of myself as that famous, like Hollywood famous. So sometimes I'm a little taken aback, you know, because I live a very middle class life. And I work, you know, I, I go to the grocery store and, you know, I'm recognized, but it's not a, that big of a deal. And so when I come, you know, for example, like I'm not Josh Jackson, you know what I mean? It's not, I don't have that, those kinds of fans. And so I don't. I'm sometimes taken aback by how popular the characters that I played have become, because I, I forget. So this is a Comic Con is a real eye opener for me, and uh, it was interesting today. And once again, I, I don't want to get emotional, but today I just uh, I just have so much appreciation for the fans and for how much they care and how much they support us and me. Jessica Nicole looks back on her character of Astrid. Well, you know, I've got, I've been kind of up and down over the past four years because um, Astrid's character started out so secondary in the beginning, and I was never sure, like I said, I mean, I really thought she was going to get killed off at some point, um, and apparently Astrid initially was a recurring character. She wasn't a series regular, so that, that was kind of indication that they want the audience to fall for so they could take her away at the last minute, and, um, and so, it, you know, there have been times where I thought, gosh, I'm not, I wish I was working more. I just wish I was involved in the, in the story more. And then I would get, you know, an episode like Making Angels where Astrid had a lot to do and it was everything I wanted in the world. So um, I think we've all had, you know, a different kind of roller coaster experience with it. But at the end of the day, we're so lucky that we got to be on this show that has been so successful and had such amazing fans and then not got canceled before we were done telling the story. Like, I don't know what the statistic is, but I don't think that that happens very often. So it's pretty it's pretty great I'm, I'm just so thrilled to have been a part of, of a story where I got to play a really smart really cool capable woman on on television you know I, I still think that there are very few roles available for women of color you know in this way too so I think that the way that that Astrid will be remembered is is, is strong and responsible and loving and that makes me very happy and now we finish up with the three leads of the show. 
first, here's Anna Torv looking back on the last Comic-Con panel. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's, um, it was great. It was kind of, our panels can be kind of hyperactive, and today they definitely felt a little bit of a sense of like, okay, this is our last one. <laughs> but, um, know, the panel's are always fun. It's the only panel that we ever get to do. And we've um, been coming here since the start, so this is our fifth year at Comic-Con, and and it's always that it comes at a good time. It comes right when, you know, we're about to start our new season. And so we've got, um, you know, we get like to have a little rehash of what we did last year and find out what people were interested in and then sort of put that to bed and move forward. Joshua Jackson looks back at season four and Peter being erased and then returned. No, I, I felt like last year it was a necessary outcropping of the finale from the season before. So... I, that, that all made sense to me, and the, vaca- the extra vacation didn't hurt either. So, um, you know, I think our story has gone in the directions that our story has gone, and it is what it is. So this year I'm in the beginning of the season, last year I wasn't, but it, it didn't freak me out that I wasn't there. It felt like a necessary step for the show to be taking. That being said, it's really nice... This year, Joel has been really, really forthcoming in a way that hasn't always been the case on our show. So it's nice to have this shortened season that has a really specific linear story that it's trying to tell, a very, very clear beginning, middle, and end story. And to be brought in to be a part of that, it allows, at least me, but I'm sure all the rest of the actors would tell you too, it allows us the opportunity to get ahead of what we're doing, as opposed to just experiencing it in the moment, because a lot of times those scripts are coming in very late, to really think out... All right, so those are the signposts of where he's taking the story this year. How do I want Peter and Olivia to be at episode four? And how do I want Peter and Walter to be at episode eight? It allows me the opportunity to, to think out those things ahead of time. So it's, so far, I mean, I haven't started shooting yet, but so far the season's great. And here's John Noble looking ahead to the series end of Fringe and how he would like it to end. It, 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 it will, because we've got the time and because we're actually completing the story, I don't think it's going to be one of those fizzes, oh my God. <clears throat> Bear in mind, we know that the final time they call cut, that's it. So there'll be, it'll be emotional, but, but I hope it'll be triumphant. Yes, we did it, that sort of feeling. We did it, and we completed the story the way we wanted to. That'll be a triumph if we can get that's That's what I'm saying, I've got trepidation. That's what's going to be really hard. I can't imagine that this won't be the hardest six months of our lives, but it'll be worth it. The series is available on Apple TV, Prime Video, and available on HBO Max. This is Tony Gelato. Hi, I'm Lance Rennick. I'm one of the stars of Fringe, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk.